Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast looking at the lives of the great poisoners and poisoning cases throughout the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by our tales. And it's episode five. Who would have ever thought we would make it that far? That we would have made five Five episodes. episodes. Five episodes. Such crazy, crazy stuff. We've uh, had a change of venue this week. We are now actually in my house. So there may be weird noises, mainly cat related noises. (laughs) Uh, I have a Bengal who gets very vocal when she's not getting enough attention and she's also got biscuits right behind me so if you hear crunching it's not the crunching of the devil on souls that or I've invited toast. and also my husband is someone upstairs and he may start playing a mandolin for no reason like one does like one of does a, of a Tuesday evening how are you Nick? Uh, I'm not entirely sure you're not sure well it's a strange time it is a strange time I'm, I'm, sh- I'm hesitant to say yeah I'm fine all is great it's not so great uh, across the world obviously in the UK the uh, the coronavirus has uh, has taken hold we're all having to sort of leave work and work from home and become isolated but we still hang out yes we don't care if we kill each other <laughs> well I'll poison you before the virus gets you <laughs> so no poisonings yet this week not, not yet there's, there's plenty to keep us busy you're um, just building more and more inspiration every week that we do this so are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Yes. Or drink poison and talk about cocktails? No. You know what? Screw it, Nick. We're doing it the other way around this week. <laughs> it's episode five. It's we episode need... five. There's no rules we anymore. We need something special. <laughs> Live death. That's what Live. <laughs> no. <laughs> what if we have some fans who go, go on? No, none of that. So it's my story. Yes, I'm excited. I have no idea what the story is. You don't it's know good. what it is. But as ever, we start with a cocktail that is inspired by the tale that we tell. And our secret ingredient this week was bison grass vodka. See, now I slightly think this is cheating. I must, I must admit. Why? Well, because we had an episode which was Dundee cake. Oh, that's exciting. What are we going to do with that? We had peppermint. <laughs> Chicken. Fair enough. Last week, yes, we'll draw a veil on the last week <laughs> <laughs> with uh, the wrath that her Sicily has wrought upon me. I but think... then, vodka. 
I mean, it's it's a bit on the nose, surely, for a challenge of cocktail making. Okay, I didn't just say vodka. Okay, or even bison grass vodka. Yeah, very specific kind of vodka. For a reason. I thought well, I was owed one, okay, after last <laughs> week. I felt a bit bad after having such a go at you because I did the story and I really struggled and went, Ugh. and everything that I found was quite obvious. And I kind of went, Ugh. Well, I mean, it certainly makes it easy from a cocktail point of view because there are many things that use, a, that use this Polish vodka. So I've, I've tried to some, go for something that's not your average cocktail so i've not gone for like a martini you would enjoy that too much i feel um, <laughs> <laughs> you want to hurt me don't and, you nick and i think we need something more of a challenge is this just going to be bison vodka and bleach no no another of your favorite ingredients is involved oh god oh god it's not <laughs> you haven't you, know what you haven't is. waited to episode five to do this to me oh my god <laughs> So you're going to find out what that is very soon, I feel. I'm looking forward to it. I think it sounds quite interesting. And we're going to have one of our famous, famous pauses for cocktails. Shake <laughs> up a storm. See you in a minute. Bye. And we're back. Hello. Nick, what do we have in front of us? We have a lovely drink. Well, it's, it's different from our recent ones because this is more of a long drink. Mm. in a Collins glass. It looks green. It does have a green hint to it. Is that because of one of the things that's in it? That may have had a slight influence in the green colour. Okay, talk us through it. <laughs> so, well, it's called a Beetlejuice. A Beetlejuice. <laughs> yes, ah! which, is, which is quite good. But we have, yes, the bison grass vodka. Mm-hmm. We have apple juice. Mm-hmm. We have a passion fruit syrup. Ooh. We have mint. Mm. And we have my personal, one of my very favourite things, uh, green chartreuse. Fuck you, Nick. <laughs> we differ on this. This is a bone of contention. This has tested our friendship many times. <laughs> Nick loves, loves green chartreuse. Or any I'm... chartreuse. Yeah, well, absolutely. Because it's beautiful. It, it's twiggy, herby, weird. It's just weird. It's lovely. It's it's just weird. It's lovely. And you just drink it by I, the bottle. I don't drink it by the bottle. You, I don't, oh, oh, it's just, it's a very, it's an acquired taste. Acquired Maybe by the right people. People who are wrong <laughs> is is what it is. Anyway, show us and drink it. Okay, well, let's try this beach. Everything up until the chartreuse I was on board with. <laughs> and we've got a straw this week as well. well it's the, a long um, drink. So. A long drink in the ice so you can hear. I see. I see minty, minty goodness. Well, let's... For a cold winter's night. Let's okay. dive in. That's interesting. It's interesting. Refreshing. The The passion fruit comes through a lot more than I thought it was. The passion fruit comes through a lot. The mint. You know what else comes through? The chartreuse. <laughs> it's I it's, oh, it's, it's just it's there. Because it's... <laughs> it's nice. I want some more. <laughs> do you like this one? I do like this one. I think on a summer's day, that would be beautiful. <laughs> Sitting outside in the garden... With a nice glass of that, I think, would be splendid. It's on the second sip. It's another second <laughs> sipper. I mean, that's, that's a damn good drink. Everything in there works. And the Bison Gross Vodka. So Bison Gross Vodka is a Polish vodka that contains a blade of bison grass. Yes, I don't think it's made from bison. No, it's not got a whole bison in which it. Is, which is <laughs> it's just trapped really. inside with its little hooves. Why? It's disappointing, really, when you think about it. Bison grass. I want, or at least grass that has been... No, grass has been fed with bison. That's probably... <laughs> I probably don't want that if I'm a vodka, to be honest. <laughs> you just been pulled out of its mouth. Not thought that one through. Um, you want what, what, what grass that's been what trampled on by I the bison? I don't know. Well, bison? So they has been grown by the bison. That has been grown by bison. The bison are little farmers with floppy hats on and hose. Fully harvested bison with a scythe, <laughs> cutting this grass. He's got a big straw hat, and he's got a distillery. Possibly fashioned out of the grass. <laughs> this is an enchanting image. Yeah. So yeah, why it's called bison grass? I'm intrigued. Yes. Well, I'll look it up. Maybe oh, yeah, well, I, I, I probably know. should have done that in a you, minute. You probably should have done. I, I will. I'll do it later and then cut it in and no one will notice. <laughs> 
I like the image of the bison grass then, and then just being burned to the ground by the chartreuse. How do people feel about chartreuse, honestly? It isn't a bad drink at all. It's much more your thing nice. than it is mine. I like that. I'm pleased. It's got so many good things about it, Nick. It's got all the good things but about it. But one big flaw. No, a lot like me. This is true. So, did bison poison someone? Oh, the bison were notorious for poisoning people. They were notorious for making vodkas and killing people. Yes, when they grew their grass. Yeah. The grass was evil. Trained assassins. Trained. <laughs> well known for just clopping people to death. <laughs> so that's what I'm expecting from this story. In fact, let's not bother. I've told it. So. <laughs> that's it. That's the podcast. <laughs> that's it. Bye. Okay, Nick. Yes. So our story begins. Ooh. In 1902. Oh, this is post-Victorian. I could have said it's a dark and stormy night, but I think it was probably just a normal day. Police officer George Godley is approached by his old mentor and his friend, a retired inspector by the name of Frederick Abelard. Oh, how did I know that was the name you were going to say? (laughs) He shakes George's hand and says, My friend, you have got Jack the Ripper at last. Mm. Drama. Drama! Drama. Episode five, we're in Jack. Jack territory. <laughs> yes, Jack the Ripper. <laughs> I, call, I call him Jack. <laughs> you know him so well. We're, we're best mates. As we all know, Inspector Abilene was involved in the search <laughs> for Jack the Ripper. But he later said, of the case we're going to discuss today, I have been so struck with the remarkable coincidences in the two series of murders that I have not been able to think of anything else for several days past. The idea has taken full possession of me and everything fits in and dovetails so well that I cannot help feeling that this is the man we struggled so hard to capture 15 years ago. And there was a bell tolling in the background (laughs) and some fog rolled in. (laughs) It's the Ripper Bell! So today we are discussing the case of Severin Klosowski, also known as George Chapman. Klosowski was born in Poland... I, I see what you did there. You see what I did there? Oh, well done. Yeah, I really crowbarred that in. You really did. I? Yeah. <laughs> I really, I dialed that one in. I'm not going to lie to the good people who listen to this podcast or to you, Nick, that I was struggling and went, Poland, it's a vodka. It's fine. We'll do this. So born in Warsaw in Poland in 1865, he's the son of a carpenter. This chap has a seemingly good start in life. He was an apprentice to a surgeon in his teens, um, helped him out with the usual things you did at the time, leeches bloodletting technical stuff Um, he worked as a barber surgeon for a while he was set to become a fully fledged surgeon but he never completed his training at university now barber surgeon do you know much about barber surgeons I do know much about barber surgeons well not a huge amount but I know of them you know of them I know of them they did barbary and surgery these were people who could perform minor surgical procedures such as bloodletting and cupping therapy pulling teeth but they could also bathe cut hair shave trim facial hair just give you a bit of a makeover this is just skill with a knife indeed they could also give enemas not with a knife one would hope not with a razor blade but sometimes you go in for a haircut and you just need a full on makeover absolutely, absolutely just while you're down there why are you down there why would you be down there with faces? <laughs> what kind of barber are you going to Nick hello I'm here for my pajazzle just just tidy it all up just please some... perform some knee surgery where you're there as well everything below the waist just, just while you're down there love sort it out <laughs> success rate of the barber surgeons you know during wartime in the middle ages not 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 so great not, not so, so much, great no. there was a very big battle actually as as the time goes on between surgeons physicians and barbers at the time for seniority who was the most skilled at performing surgery um i do actually quite like uh that when i was researching this there was a footnote in one of the explanations of um barber surgeons that says surgeons no longer perform haircuts 
So that's disappointing. But that's why we have the barber's pole as well, which, if any of you know, is red and white striped, and that's supposed to represent the blood and bandages of the barber surgeon. After that, Sweetie Todd came along and ruined the whole thing. I'm going to perform this neck surgery. Oh, crap, it's gone wrong. Let's make a pie. With chartreuse. Oh, a chartreuse pie. That would be horrible. Even you have to admit that that would would be be horrible. That would be quite unpleasant. Nobody wants that. No one wants that. So, Klosowski, around 1887-1888, emigrated to the east end of London. And reports show that he becomes a hairdresser's assistant. He's leaning more towards the hairdresser at this stage. He later opens a barbershop in Cable Street. Now, why did this young man flee Poland? His bison went on a rampage. <laughs> he couldn't move for all the he bison He couldn't move for all the bison. I need to leave. Anything to do, flee. Well, it was said that uh, when he arrived in London, a young woman with two children arrived promptly after him from <laughs> Poland, claiming to be his wife. Surely not. But she disappeared from the scene quite swiftly, hopefully because he reasoned with her and then was never heard of again. Imagine that probably happened quite a lot right in London about. at that time. Indeed. But then in 1889, she was off the scene because he'd married another young Polish girl by the name of Lucy. Lucy Badewski. Badewski. I had to message our friend Cassia, who is half Polish, <laughs> to get the pronunciation of so many of the names in this story right, and I still haven't got them right. <laughs> They're still horribly wrong. Yeah, I've also, it was the first time I had to admit that Cassie, who I've known for many years, I've never been able to pronounce her surname. No one has. It's no not a real word. Senishin. It's beautiful. <laughs> So, he marries Lucy. They go on to have two children. One sadly died in infancy, but there's no suspicion about that. And around 1891, the couple move to the USA, to New Jersey. I did Where the, the bison really come from? <laughs> Would you leave the bison you out of this? You brought them into this. You brought them into this. So. <laughs> I, brought, I brought the bison into it, and now I'm just going to have to deal with You're bison constantly. Much like the Polish, we're going to be overrun with bison through this Pretty entire much. podcast. So in 1891, the couple move to New Jersey, where he begins working in a barber shop. And he and his new wife, not so happy. Uh, you see, the problem with Klazowski is he is a lover of women. And he's bison. also... <laughs> he loved women and bison, and that was his downfall. <laughs> bison, the greatest poison of them all! <laughs> it's, a, it's a tale as old as time. <laughs> I've now got an image of him and the bison dancing like in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, absolutely. As old as time. <laughs> and they all lived happily ever So after. he was a lover of women, but he was also a hater of women. He beat his wife oh, mercilessly. Yes, he was not a pleasant man. But at one point in 1892, something happens that will stay in Inspector Aberline's memory long after when he hears about the background of this gentleman. In 1892... Klozowski attacks his wife in the barbershop where they work. She is pregnant at this time. And he later told her that had a customer not walked into the shop right at that moment, he would have killed her. Not only killed her, he would have severed her head and hidden the body. This is, this is a strange confession to make. He was a savage man by all no. accounts. He had no qualms about beating his wives. Um, Lucy, though, is bright enough to go, fuck this, and heads back to London. Lifts her skirts, runs across the Atlantic. It's pretty good going, getting from the States to London. By running. By, well, not just While at pregnant. All. Maybe she rode a bison. <laughs> bison swam and swam and swam. Swam, Five inches and then they caught it. <laughs> she returns to London. She gives birth to their second child. Klozowski returns to England. They do actually try to make it work, but it all falls apart. He cannot be tamed they separate for good. And he goes off to start his own barbershop in Tottenham in 1893. Now, it's around this time that he meets a woman named Annie Chapman. Oh, that sounds familiar. That name ring a bell, do you? Yeah. 
Could it be Annie Chapman's ghost? The victim of the Ripper. It's not. It's really not. She's been no. dead for five years. It is a pure coincidence that this chap meets a woman named Annie Chapman. They move in together. Again, he is just racking up all the mistresses. Bear in mind, he is still married. He's yeah. had a wife in Poland, two kids who have vanished. He is still getting married. He's still going, okay, everyone. Oh, yes, you're my wife now. <laughs> my wife. They move in together. Within a year, it's all over. Because Klozowski has brought another woman home to shack up with them. While his new wife is still there Annie also pregnant leaves she does ask him for some cash once the baby is born he laughs her off because they're not legally married she has absolutely no chance of getting anything so Klozowski is soon on the move again he is constantly setting up businesses marrying women moving on but he takes one more thing from poor Annie Chapman her name Burn. Yes, he changes his name to George Chapman in an effort to seem more respectable Definitely in England. Yes. He li- and that is, cr- oh, that is cruel. She's <laughs> pregnant. You're giving her no money, but you know what? I'm going to name myself after you. <laughs> and I'm not going to see you no more. So mm-hmm. yes, he has now assumed the name of George Chapman, which I like for one reason. I can pronounce that a lot better. Well, yes, well done. At this point, he does the same again. He moves to William Wenzel's barbershop. I like the name no, of No, Wenzel. Man. Wenzel in Leytonstone. Um, he moves into the barbershop, he becomes an assistant there, and he meets Mary Spink. How very proper. How very proper. Well, she's actually not so proper. She's, not a proper. Lady, she's a lady who is older than him. She has fled her own marriage, not oh. divorced. Obviously, very frowned upon at that sort of time. You can't get divorced, really. Well, you can get divorced, but not easy. you shall be shunned. <laughs> but she is purportedly a drunk. She's fled her marriage, but she also has fled with £500. Well, that'll do you for a bit. You know how much that is worth in today's money? Ten grand. Higher. 20 grand. Higher. 100 grand. No. no. That's stupid. <laughs> 50 grand. 57,000 57, pounds. A, that would do me for at least a couple of weeks. The, all the chartreuse All that chartreuse is not cheap stuff, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> but Mary Spink and uh, George Chapman do something quite interesting with this money. They start a barbershop, shockingly, nice. in Hastings now. Oh. And they begin offering oh. musical shaves. Nice. I like it. I want to go there. <laughs> Do they sing? Uh, Mary Spink plays the piano while Chapman services the customers with the shaving. This in, is a in genuine time, in time thing. to the music. Whether it is in time to the music, we don't awesome. know. Terrifying, but awesome. The, the, the barbershop does well, and then it does spectacularly badly. So I can <laughs> I can only assume that the idea attempted enough first time customers in, and she can't really play the piano. She's or she tries a really really fast like patter song, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like razor blades going everywhere. <laughs> blood spurting and she tries to sing along la 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 ring ba ring ba ring that's the only song she knows Um, (laughs) excellent idea I could see where it could go wrong certainly they have her money behind them so Chapman is starting to live the high life a little bit he's got a sailing boat named the Mosquito that's quite fat I mean that can't have been cheap you must be doing all right to get by a sailing boat also good name for a sailing boat the Mosquito is it really it's very fast Uh, fast buzzy kills you (laughs) It's better than naming a horse chicken. This is true. Yeah, I can't argue with that. If he'd named the boat chicken, wouldn't that have been amazing? That would have been awesome. Flashback to episode three. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So he lives a high life, but Mary, eh, she keeps drinking. And she does keep getting battered by Chapman. A woman in the same building as claims to have heard Spink crying out in the night regularly and have noticed abrasions and bruises on her face and marks on mm. her throat. But the barber shop is now failing, probably due to liberal spending or at least Mary's money running out. They've used the last of Mary's money to buy a pub in Finsbury. But not okay. before, on the 3rd of April in 1897, Chapman purchases one ounce dose of tartar emetic and Mary starts to become ill. <laughs> and we reach our poison of the week. Uh. Tartaremic, also known as antimony. Uh, well, we had that before. We had it a little bit before. We had it with um, thingamajig. We did. We had we had a touch of it. Yeah, with his wife. With his uh, wife. Palmer and his wife. Yes, we have antimony. And antimony we have touched on before, but now it is here in full force. Mm. So what, they, what do they call it? I'm intrigued by that. Uh, tartar anemic. Um, not anemic. Uh, tartar emetic. Yeah. This is purchased from a chemist in Sussex. Also, we've got to chemist rather than druggist and apothecary and a special oh, man with twigs. We're on chemist now. We're on chemist now. So it is a white powder. It's very easily soluble in water. And it contains this metallic element, antimony. It's colourless, it's odourless, and it's almost tasteless as a poison. And its effects were, again, very little known well, in the end of the 19th century. And the emetic is something that makes you vomit. Mm. In large doses, it will be regurgitated and expelled. But given in smaller, timed doses, yes. it would cause slow, gradual and painful death. Interesting side effect, it preserves the body of the deceased for many years after the death. Oh, that's intriguing. So yes, we do see some cases where you have, you have bodies being exhumed and they're perfectly preserved. Vampires! Vampires! I wonder if this will happen in this case. 
Shall we proceed? <laughs> oh, have I, have I jumped ahead? <laughs> what, to vampires? Yes. Literally, this was all vampires. Vampire bison. <laughs> Brilliant. But they have now bought the pub in Finsbury. But Mary's health does not seem to improve from moving to the lovely sea air to the smog of London. Clearly. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, doctors call to treat her for tuberculosis, but it's a curious case because it doesn't respond to medicine. My God. Not even not. George's special brandy. <laughs> and he gives her 24 hours a day. That's a lot of brandy. He gives her a lot of brandy. I could have used brandy this week, you but I thought brandy. that would have been a cop out. And vodka isn't. Okay, we shall. Bison? Grass vodka. It's Polish. No. Yeah, nah. You know what? Everyone write in if you have a problem with it. So Mary does not get any better. And yeah. on Christmas morning, on 1897, she dies following a violent attack of vomiting. That's sad. Oh, Chapman Christmas. opens the pub as usual that night. Well, you would have to, really, wouldn't you? You'd have to just get through the pain. Not a great move. But worse still, a month later, Chapman tries to give their son to the orphanage. Oh, that's harsh. The orphanage don't take him. Good. Because they say, you're his daddy. You're his dad. Sort it out. Look after your son. So he looks after him for another year. Then he sends him to the workhouse. Oh, for fuck's sake. Right. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> He's registering no. high on the bastardometer, isn't he? It really he? is. No, that's, that's not on. <laughs> so we've had... Fine. We'll get rid of no. So we've had the wife in Poland, who's probably gone back to Poland, or maybe she's mysteriously done. Mm-hmm. We've had the second wife, Lucy, who is beaten within an inch of her life. We've had Annie Chapman, no relation to yes. the Ripper victim. All of these women are beaten. They all are sent packing. But now we have Mary, who is suspiciously died. Mm. You'd think that would be enough. No, 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 no. Merely a few weeks later, Chapman has hired Bessie Taylor um, to work in his pub. Surprise, surprise, they enter into a relationship. What a surprise. She what probably surprise. thinks he's an honest, lovely man. Again, he becomes very abusive, reportedly shouting at her and at one point threatening her with a revolver. She still doesn't leave. Why do they Why do they stay, Nick? Why do they stay? So over the course of a couple of years, the relationship between Chapman and Bessie is not pleasant. There's various back and forth of buying different pubs and going to different places. At one point, they move to Hertfordshire, possibly to avoid suspicion they've moved up there because Bessie is starting to get ill. She's there for a while. She doesn't. Her health doesn't improve. Bessie is very well liked locally. She does a lot of charity work and is very popular. She does some volunteering. Good for Bessie. But her health is deteriorating. Mm. They move back to London. They buy another pub, the Monument Tavern. But Bessie, in December 1900, becomes very, very ill. Her family visits to see her, as does her friend Elizabeth. Chapman is very kind. He makes a pass at Elizabeth while she's visiting <laughs> his wife on her deathbed. And Mary sadly dies in 1901. Around this time, um, Chapman also tries to commit arson at the Monument Tavern, uh, probably for the insurance num- uh, yes. money because it's losing his lease. Uh, the reason they realise it's um, arson is because he took all his furniture out of the pub before <laughs> he set it on fire. <laughs> See, these are not clever people. These are not clever people. You think, why would you do this? This is If you want to get away with fraud, <laughs> and insurance <murder. laughs> fraud, and murder and things like that, well, don't take your nice things out of the pub before you burn it down. Light them all up on the street. I shall burn them up. No one will know. No one will not know. Not the credenza. That does seem stupid. But also, high on the barcedometer. High on the barcedometer. Yeah. I'm going to take you elsewhere in London, though. Ooh. It is 1901. Yes. It's Monday the 27th of May. Yes. A telephone call is received by the city police, informing that a woman has been admitted to London Hospital because she's been found suffering several stab wounds and is now dying. Mm-hmm. The woman's name is Mary Ann Austin, who lived at a lodging house in Dorset Street, Crossingham's Lodging House. She was found to be suffering ten stab wounds, some superficial, some an inch deep. The wounds are around her womb, around her rectum, 
and the doctor's opinion there must have been considerable force used to yeah. inflict the wounds. Eesh. Shortly before she died, she tells the doctors that on Saturday night she met a man in the street and she took him to Dorset Street. Dorset Street was once reportedly the worst street in London. Nice. She spent the night with him, but she woke up early in the morning with a sharp pain in her side, as if a knife had been run into her, and she screamed. She saw he was stabbing her. The man ran from the room. She described him as a short man, dark hair, with a moustache, of Jewish or Russian appearance. Okay. August 1901. Chapman is in his pub, the Monument Tavern. He hasn't succeeded in burning it down. (laughs) And he's hired... Not his furniture. He's just... Actually, he's made a pub out of the furniture. Everything else is smouldering. His furniture's lovely. (laughs) It's lovely. It's wonderful. He's just polishing a (laughs) non-glass. But at the Monument Tavern, he hires 18-year-old Maud Marsh. I'm sure he does. Mm, Oh, he does. I'm sure that's not all he does with Maud Marsh. (laughs) Oh, he makes it a prerequisite when her parents Uh... accompany her to the interview. Um, He (laughs) explains to her it's very important that she lives in the pub as part of the job. Absolutely. And he can assure them it's okay there's other lodgers living here no no harm will come to their lovely Maud (laughs) no other lodgers there Mm. (laughs) but Maud will ultimately prove to be his downfall good good for Maud so the couple are together and they enter into a false marriage Maud thinks this is genuine but of course we know that Chapman or Klozowski has been married before and has taken many a wife and abandoned them. Right, so she's assuming this is real. So they've been like married in the church or whatever. I think and she assumes it's real because he's been married before. It's not. There are varying stories around this. Okay. There are. Um, there was a story that she went that they went to a church together in a very very rushed way. The family are protesting this. They they really yeah. see something wrong with Chapman. They don't like this. She's very right. young. Um, but there is a report that they run to the church and they, they get married very quickly. He convinces her they're married. It's done. It's not fun for poor Maud because obviously. As soon as they're married, the beatings begin. She falls pregnant and he tries to convince her to have an illegal abortion. Ah, boo. So we're seeing a pattern with this man. Yeah, just generally unpleasantness. So one day she returns home to find Chapman in uh, flagrante delicto, shall we say, with a barmaid, Florence. Florence the It's barmaid. always a Florence, isn't it? Uh, who she fires, obviously. <laughs> please, please don't work here anymore. She threatens to leave Chapman. She's so furious. Strangely enough, she suddenly falls ill. <laughs> But luckily, in a way, her family step in and they insist on taking her to hospital. She spends four weeks in hospital. She still returns home. She won't leave Chapman. She goes back home and she suffers a relapse. Shocking. Illness for weeks. During this time, her meals are prepped and very carefully prepared by Chapman. You remember what we said about the poison earlier on? Small, steady doses. Small, steady doses. Maud's mother is there as well. She can't see anything different, but one night she sips some of the brandy that Chapman has left by Maud's bedside and she is violently ill. But it's too late for her to voice her suspicions. It can't be that somewhat of a dose. One sip makes her really ill. Well, in large doses it will make you sick, but it's enough to kill Maud because the next morning she is dead. So the final thing that did her in. And Maud's caring family, they demand a post-mortem. Good. And suddenly the tower of horror that Chapman has built comes tumbling down. The doctor finds what he thinks is arsenic, but it's enough for a police investigation. And it turns out that Maud has had huge doses of antimony. The police demand that both Bessie and Mary's bodies are exhumed. And huge amounts of antimony are also found in their bodies too. They're both perfectly preserved as well. Uh, That would be weird. So there, Chapman is convicted of Maud's murder. Good. On the 19th of March, 1903. 
it said in one of my sources, Chapman said nothing after his incarceration of, in any way of a confession. In fact, he continued to protest his innocence for the rest of his life. He was restless and irritable, but above all, he was quiet. Mm. Chapman was hanged at Wandsworth Prison on the 7th of April, 1903. But don't forget the conversation at the beginning of the story with was he the Inspector Abilene. Chapman remains one of the main suspects in the ongoing hunt or investigations of who Jack the Ripper was. George Chapman is one of the main people that sources at the time and since have said is likely to have been Jack the Ripper. In fact, he was interviewed by Inspector Abilene at the height of the terror one of 2,000 people, to be fair. Yep. <laughs> the Chapman's first wife, Lucy, if we remember, who luckily escaped death, she had told Abilene that her husband was often used to go out at night for hours on end carrying a small bag with him. Yes, but I can't imagine he was the only one who went out of an evening. <laughs> so, <laughs> so With a small bag. With a small bag. It was a clutch. <laughs> he was going out on the town. Darling, Absolutely. I'm taking my sparkly bag. I am off to the opera. <laughs> To the Midnight Opera. <laughs> Going to see the bison. <laughs> <laughs> the bison from home. I miss the old days. Yes, the bison peep show that was round the corner. <laughs> Just nipple tassels everywhere. Made out of grass. <laughs> so there we have it. We have George oh, Chapman. Good so, story. Ripper facts at the time. As you said, now Ripperologists out here will know these stories and know these facts and you know encourage you again to share your own theories about it. Opinion on Chapman is divided. Um, there's this ongoing debate about was the Ripper a doctor or a surgeon or was he merely a butcher mm. some people say because of the precision and his knowledge of the human anatomy he had to have been a doctor others say it was a frenzied attack chapman barber surgeon yes. had some training he's obviously a horrific misogynist oh he's obviously a terrible terrible person and incredibly violent and he was in close proximity to where the murders were committed. And that was one of the main criteria for the police at the time. They, they, they very much suspected that they lived near Whitechapel. And he did live near Whitechapel. As did thousands of people. <laughs> well, hence they interviewed 2,000 people. <laughs> yes, I'm not saying it will... They, they didn't catch the Ripper. I'm not saying it was foolproof, the system. He's a man and he must live in London. We can nail <laughs> so this I'm down. picking holes in your story. I apologise. No, no, no. One of my favourite... Um, facts that I read about this and again people might contest me on this is that the, one of the theories is that the Ripper had to have had a day job because the murders were only committed on a weekend well absolutely <laughs> <laughs> working nine to five what a way to make a living gonna kill some girls then I'm gonna eat some chicken <laughs> well, it's, it's a yeah it's a theory I suppose. It's a, it's a theory. It's a it is a theory. I'm not so sure about that one. But there's other things in there as well, is that um, a lot of people never believed the Ripper was a lunatic and was just a madman, that he um, no, I know, had, I don't that. you know, he wasn't He wasn't just a crazed, uh, crazed man on the streets. His arrival in England also coincided with the murders, 1887, 1888. He obviously had a high sex drive. He took multiple mistresses, uh, married many times, had little regard for women. Ripper was a sexual killer. He would have been about 23 years old, actually, in 1888. Quite young. Yeah. And that was well, probably one of the reasons they disregarded him. I don't know if, if that, for that time, would that be considered quite young? Wasn't that, no, I think it was but young. It know. was young compared to what people thought. I think they thought he was, he was a doctor or he was no, someone... Yeah, no, fair. They, they must have thought he was a mature man to have evaded capture. True. 
Yeah. Again, no, you know, point. I'm not a ripper expert, but you know that it, it was cited that the fact that he was young was maybe a reason that he was discounted. But Abilene never really shook the idea that it was him. Mm. And when he was captured uh, and convicted, that's when he approached uh, George Godley and said, "You have caught the ripper." There's an extract from an interview that he gave to the Pall Mall Gazette in around 1903, which I'll read out now. A man who could watch his wives being slowly tortured to death by poison, as he did was capable of anything. The fact that he should have attempted in such cold-blooded manner to murder his first wife with a knife in New Jersey makes one more inclined to believe in the theory that he was mixed up in the two series of crimes. Indeed, if the theory be accepted that a man who takes life on wholesale scale never ceases his accursed habit until he is either arrested or dies, there is much to be said for Chapman's consistency. You see, incentives change, but the fiendishness is not eradicated. The victims, too, you will notice, continue to be women, but they are of a different class and obviously call for different methods of dispatch. So one of the biggest arguments, again, against Chapman being the Ripper is why did he change his M.O.? Why did he change poison? Why did he change his murders operandi? Why did he go from ripping people apart to poisoning people? Abilene hints that these are different kinds of women. I don't know, not all of them were very... Maybe the times have changed, I don't know, but... I mean, also, you've got to think, I mean, obviously, the the Ripper cases that we know of, as we said, were desperately frenzied, violent attacks, whether they were planned or not. They were of the moment. And switch from that level of violence, spur-of-the-moment violence to a long-term plan of I'm going to poison you over several months or mm. whatever. Seems quite a quite a leap in, it's, in it differences. All, it all, it's one of the things that makes, the, the, obviously, the Ripper case so fascinating. But if we do build this picture, if he's not a lunatic, and if we're agreeing that he's not a lunatic, he's not a frenzied killer, he would have had to survive. He would have had to have a profession. In. So, yes, it does go back to only murder on weekends because I've got a day job. <laughs> Maybe he does have a day job. Maybe he does have wives and he is abusive towards them. He can't murder them outright because he's got women who needs to cook for him and clean for him and, you know, fulfill the wifely duties, but has no regard for their well-being or for their status because he's just marrying multiple people. You know, there is an argument that he's got to have an outwardly seemingly normal life. life. It's not a normal life. It's very rare in this day and age. And Mm. most forensic psychologists or anything would say they don't switch their MO. Mm. They have a pattern. They stick to it. Um, Robert Milne um, retired from the Metropolitan Police Directorate of Forensic Services presented a paper in the 2000s i think it was 2014 and he suggested that he thought chapman was the killer and he alluded to the murder of mary ann austin that murder we heard about in 1901 Mm. she described the client before her death fit chapman apparently perfectly the frenzied attack his location in london at the time implies that perhaps he had committed the murder there were many more suspected ripper murders yes outside of the canonical five there were allegedly many other women who were murdered and tortured that people like to ascribe to the ripper um but then again we've heard that before as well where you've got a serial killer and someone who's convicted and saying yes he did everything but put it all on him put it all on him the case against as well is that his english couldn't have been very good at the time of the Ripper murders, yes, he spent time in London yeah. and by 1901 his English would have been very good. But he probably wasn't very good at English and there's all accounts that the Ripper was talking to his victims. He wouldn't have known the Whitechapel streets very well. Interesting thing about Marianne Austin as well, that lodging house that she mm. lived in was the same lodging house as the actual Annie Chapman who was the victim. Ooh. 
and a couple of doors down from where Mary Kelly was mutilated and murdered. Mm. So, mm. Well, that's a curious coincidence. But of course, he is not the only person, not the only poisoner who was suspected of being Jack the Ripper. But that's a tale for another, <laughs> another time. time. Oh, that's exciting. So what do we think of the tale of George Chapman? I like the tale of George Chapman. It's a good tale. I'm slightly sceptical about him being the Ripper, I must admit. <laughs> um, but obviously a nasty, nasty man. Nasty, nasty um, man. I know I told the story in a very plain speaking kind of way. But yeah, it's just woman after woman of him yeah. beating and Vicious. moving on and making musical hairdressers and then... <laughs> And and stabbing that's the people. That's the worst of all. Was the <laughs> crimes he committed against pianos. Against musicals. Against musicals. But really, his motivation, we know, the whole time was his love of bison. <laughs> and the rejection that he had suffered from them back in Poland. <laughs> and that's why he invented Bison Grass Podcast. <laughs> yes, we still have issues with this. <laughs> <laughs> all right, if you're going to bring Sicily to the table, Nick, <laughs> yeah, and put okay. chartreuse in my drink. I'm going to say we're even. <laughs> cocktail shenanigans so I'm sure we will have more Ripper stories in the future only if they're linked to poisonings yes don't quite. you be sending me anything about Ripper poisonings if there's no well Ripper stories if there's, there's no, no poisonings poison. involved can't be doing with that but if you know any and you have some theories send them in yes so that has been episode 5 yes. of the Poisonous Cabinet as ever if you are listening to this thank you so much we love all of our new fans thank you so much to the swathe of new followers that we've had in the last week it's been fantastic we hit 1,000 downloads that was quite exciting 1,000 downloads oh, that's very good indeed thank you so much please continue if you are new as a listener subscribe download share this podcast please help us get up the ratings give us a review on Apple Podcasts follow us on social media at the Poisonous Cabinet or on Twitter at the Poisonous Cab. Big shout out to the research that I've had this week. I've found various articles. Again, Kieran Conleaf, great guy on Twitter. He wrote another article about George Chapman, lovely guy. We'll have him on the podcast at some oh, well, point. Quite, Why not? Why absolutely. not? Yeah, mix up the old uh, Beetlejuice cocktail. Yes, it, absolutely. The recipe will be online very shortly. So let us know what you think. And what do you think about chartreuse? It's a good thing. I don't need your comments otherwise on that. Godly goodness or the you devil's will not drink. Persuade me otherwise. It's a crazy time out there. Everyone, stay safe. Um, if you're self isolating, social isolating, do what you need to do. But be safe. Be sensible. Don't go and buy five billion loo rolls because it's very silly and entirely unnecessary. Look after the old people that but you look know. After, yes, look after people. Look after your neighbours. And yeah, listen to podcasts. Do you listen to podcasts. Make sure. <laughs> all else, we've got nothing else to do. <laughs> make sure you're safe and you're happy. But yeah. We don't know what's going to happen in the next few weeks. We are going to keep making the podcast as best we can. We don't know if we're actually going to be separated at some point because we don't live together. We don't live in the same house. We will, so we will, we will just we will. just go out wrapped up in we'll all it. manner we'll of masks. We'll do it by Skype or We'll something. do it by Skype. <laughs> We'll I'll do a post, live. post your cocktail. But if there's any more that you want to hear from us, um, if you are self-isolating, if you are stuck indoors and, you, and you'd like to hear some more stuff from us, if you want videos, if you want live chats, let us know. We are more than happy to create new things because we're going to be bored. Well, I'm still at work at the moment, so I'm well, not yet. But I'm working from home. <laughs> I'm doing the quote marks. Yes. Working from home. Yes, I'm not. I'm working from work. I work in crisis <laughs> comms. I really am working from home. Be safe, everyone. Be safe. Be good. Be lovely. Be lovely. And we will be back next week. We'll be back tales. next week. And more cocktails. More cocktails. Oh, certainly more cocktails. I need to get planning. We have been the people inside the poisonous cabinet. Stay safe, always suspect the maid, and remember your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye.